0: It's the Platinum Jubilee. It has been the most remarkable day. Here in London, I'll share my day with you. I'll be joined by former Royal Correspondents. I'll be joined by former Royal Protection Officers. I want to ask you, what did today mean to you? Because, boy, it was quite emotional here in London at times. We'll also have on Lord Moylan, who is a defender of Boris Johnson, who will contradict everything I said to you last night. But above all, above all today, it is the Platinum Jubilee and what it means to you. I've got to tell you, from my perspective, it meant one hell of a lot. Good evening, everybody. Yes, it's here. It's the Platinum Jubilee. It's the 2nd of June 2022. It's the day we celebrate 70 years of our Queen being on the throne. It is a remarkable day. It's also 69 years to the day that she actually had that crown put on her head. I don't know about you, but for me, it has been the most magnificent day. Um, Let me just show you a few clips of where I've been today and what I've been doing. This is really good to see. The local postbox being done up. And this is the village behind me, where I grew up. And I was here for the Silver Jubilee in 1977. I'm feeling a bit old. It's June the 2nd, 2022. It's the beginning of the Platinum Jubilee. It's also the 69th anniversary, of course, of the day the Queen was actually crowned. Now, it is, of course, the Queen's birthday parade, known as Trooping the Colour crowds are incredible here in London. Do you know what? It's great to be British, it really is. Everyone celebrate. Believe you me, it wasn't just me out there enjoying the day. I mean, I walked through the parks, I walked through Trafalgar Square, there were huge numbers of people, and many of them dressed up in their finest Jubilee rig. They really were. And even better than that, of course, was the Queen. Now no one quite knew. There they were, all waiting, all dressed up, all ready. Would the Queen appear on the balcony? And I kind of think we all thought she really would. Trooping the colour, of course, was on this morning. I was there in horse guards. It's so good, it's difficult to believe. And you can see now the troops returning, getting a salute from the Queen. But the royal family on the balcony, uh, the fly past, uh, the planes marking out 70 in the sky, it really was just the most incredible atmosphere. That we had today in the mall and around the palace. The Queen seeming very, very happy, very, very at ease. There were one or two notable absentees from the balcony, and we'll discuss those perhaps later. Briefly in the programme, and I say briefly because this is not about them, this is about the Queen. Now, her great grandson Louis, who is four years old, um, struggled, I think, to be fair, to keep pace. With proceedings. <laughs> Perhaps it's quite difficult being on show for that length of time. He got a little bit bored with things. Um, he sort of mocked that he didn't like the noise of the modern day fighter jets. Uh, he probably did enjoy himself, really. But it was lovely to see his great grandmother having a quiet word with him. All of which, of course, reminds us that she may well have been our queen for the last. 70 years. She may well still be head of state over vast countries like Australia and Canada, but at the end of the day, she is a human being. She is a mother, a grandmother and a great grandmother. I have to say that when I was there at Horse Guards today and when we stood for the national anthem, there was just something about it that meant more to me than it ever had before in my life. And as I went through the crowds today and spoke to a huge number of people, one thing that came through that I'm not really used to in this country was a level of real, genuine emotion. A lot of people were very, very moved. The vast majority of us living in this country have not known anything other than Elizabeth being our queen. It was, for a lot of people, I think, A very emotional day. My question, my audience question to you, and to all of our guests that come on this show tonight, is what did today mean to you? Please let me know your thoughts, your views on that. Farage at GBNews.uk. And by the way, please send in any pictures that you think are relevant. What did today mean to you? It meant a lot, I've got to tell you. To me. Well, joining me is Cameron Walker... GB News' royal reporter, uh, who I saw earlier down on the Mall. Uh, Cameron, from what I can see, um, other than perhaps Prince Louis, age four, pulling a face, uh, and one trooper falling off his horse uh, on horse cards earlier, it seems today has gone through uh, pretty much the plan.
1: I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Yes, Nigel, it's a truly historic day, the first time Great Britain has celebrated a platinum jubilee. 70 years, Her Majesty, has been on the throne, as you have been saying. So at Trooping the Colour earlier today, it was 1st Battalion Irish Guards who were trooping their colour. Uh, Prince William is their royal colonel, and Prince Charles actually took the royal salutes on Her Majesty the Queen's behalf. We know Her Majesty has had uh, mobility issues uh, recently. Um, But at Trooping Colour at Horse Guards, Harry and Meghan did appear slightly uh, at the Major General's office. We could see them just, a couple of photographs of them have appeared, but they were very much in the background and very much not detracting attention away from the main day itself. As you mentioned, Nigel Prince Louis, I think, perhaps stole the show slightly. Uh, He was frantically waving in the carriage as he was being driven down to Horse Guards uh, parade. and I think at one point his older sister Charlotte uh, slapped his hand down telling him to stop waving uh, so frantically. But when they got back here to Buckingham Palace behind me, Her Majesty the Queen uh, took a royal salute uh, on the balcony accompanied by the Duke of Kent. She was then joined by extended members of the royal family, working members of the royal family for that magnificent fly past. 70 aircraft involving a Royal Air Force jets, Royal Navy and British Army as well celebrating Her Majesty the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Prince Louis again pers- putting his his hands over his ears, uh, looking very cute uh, indeed. But later on this evening here at Buckingham Palace, the principal Platinum Jubilee beacon is going to be lit. There are going to be 3,000 of them lit across the world, 1,500 or so uh, in Great Britain itself, Um, and it will be a ceremony involving Her Majesty the Queen at Windsor Castle and the Duke of Cambridge here at Buckingham Palace. And then after that, we've got another three days of celebration, Nigel, uh, for Her Majesty the Queen's Platinum Jubilee.
0: Cameron, thank you very much indeed. And yes, perhaps, Prince Louis did steal the show for a brief period of time, but hey, he is four years old. It's allowed. Now, let's go to Northern Ireland. Let's go to Enna Skillen. Let's speak to the former First Minister in Northern Ireland. Of course, she's well known to GB News viewers. She's well known as Arlene Foster. But I think we may have to recalibrate that because as a result of the Jubilee Honours, she is now Dame Arlene Foster. Arlene, good evening.
2: Hi, Nigel. Loving the tie, loving the programme. Uh, it's been a wonderful day, hasn't it? Um, watching the Trooping of the Colour here from Northern Ireland. I, like you, was quite emotional about it. I just saw Her Majesty looked as if she was really enjoying herself today, surrounded uh, by her family. I just thought it was particularly special today.
0: No, I agree with you totally, Arlene. So so what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you personally, to you? And by the way, I bumped into Nigel Dodds, your former colleague earlier on at Trooping. But what you know, encapsulate what it means to you personally, please.
2: Well, I mean, I've always been a huge monarchist. Uh, I believe fundamentally that it lifts uh, the country beyond politics. I look around the world and I see elected presidents and I think, We could do better than that, and we have. Uh, With Her Majesty the Queen, we've been hugely fortunate, I've said, to live through the great Elizabethan age, as you and I have done. And uh, for me to receive uh, a damehood in her platinum jubilee list uh, is particularly special, and I'll always cherish it, Nigel, I have to say.
0: Well, I think you jolly well should, Arlene. And, you know, I suppose when we look at Northern Ireland... We think maybe in some ways, socially, it's rather behind other parts of the United Kingdom. Uh, You were the first female uh, to reach the top of the political tree in Northern Ireland. Uh, Does you getting a damehood, is that an inspiration, do you think, to younger women to think, hey, you know what, in Northern Ireland, I can make it to the top?
2: Well, actually, we had two females at the top of the list today. We had myself and uh, Dame Fanula J O'Boyle, who's the Lord Lieutenant of Belfast. So actually, the the two that received the top honours were both females. And as you well know, uh, this list has actually been... Uh, the one with the most females on it. So I think that sends out a very positive message in uh, a year when we're celebrating such an inspirational female, uh, someone who has shown her dedication and service and faithfulness, not just to the United Kingdom, but right across Commonwealth. So it's, it's very special to receive this honour in this year. And I made the comment uh, yesterday that actually... When I stepped down as the first female First Minister of Northern Ireland, uh, I received a lot of correspondence from young women who it meant a lot to actually, and I hadn't realised that until I'd stepped down. Um, and not just young females coming into uh, politics, but actually stepping forward into public life in general. So I hope uh, that this award of a Dame Hood sends out a very strong message that young women uh, should get involved in public life, they should use their voice, regardless of the challenges that are there, particularly on social media, as we all know. Uh, But it is worthwhile, it is very rewarding, and it's something that is very worthwhile doing.
0: Arlene, thank you for telling us what today meant to you, and many, many congratulations on now being Dame Arlene Foster. Now, let's go to a guest who has followed royal family stories for longer uh, than virtually anyone around. In fact, my next guest <laughs> is one of those rare people mm. who can remember the coronation. It's Michael Cole. For I, Ma- I mean, you're <laughs> ageing incredibly well, Michael. I, I, say, I, say,
3: I was, uh, I was uh, eight years old when uh, the Queen's father, uh, King George VI, much loved, uh, died. and She was 25 and she became Queen. And uh, then the coronation was the following year, This day, June the 2nd, 1953, it rained all day long, and what a fantastic day we've had today. And I remember my parents going and spending all their money to buy a very small uh, 425-line television, black and white, and we had half the street, 17 people in a small (laughs) back room. And the next week, and this comes into today... Uh, my mother said, Well, we didn't go to the coronation, but we'll go to the first trooping of the colour. So, my sister, who was 11, and I was 10, we went, and we were by the Duke of York steps. I remember it quite clearly. And my mother invested two shillings, so uh, ten pence, in, in, in two cardboard and mirror uh, uh, periscopes to try and see something. We saw very little. I think I saw the Queen's hat, we heard the music, and we thought it was fantastic. And it was great, you know, pomp and circumstance.
0: We do it well. Elgar
3: we? wrote the music, but we. We do it best. It's been a magnificent day. It was a perfect day. I think the whole world... Uh, can admire it, and every British person can take great pride in it. There was a feeling. But it's th- not just British, Michael, is it? Because no. this extends
0: across large parts of the globe.
3: No, she is the Queen of the world. When the when the Americans talk <laughs> about the Queen, they talk about the Queen, not the Queen of Holland, not the Queen of Denmark. Yeah. They talk about the Queen. And I was do- talking to some Americans on an American Channel today, and I said to them, "Those soldiers down there, they're not toy soldiers." They are frontline troops. They take off those red tunics, those bearskin caps, and they go into camouflage. And I said there are five regiments of guards, foot guards. The Welsh guards weren't there today because they're on a military assignment. They are out there facing the foe for, on our behalf. So these are not toy soldiers. The, the guys on the horses... They drive tanks, light mm, tanks, mm, and armored mm, cars. Mm, it was, a, and they can do that. They can do that parade, and they can also do the tough stuff, the hard stuff, on our behalf. Tremendous, um, tremendous feeling I, I had because I covered many uh, troopings of the colour for the BBC, and um, it, it was perfect today. And th- they got it right. The Platinum ju- Jubilee. They got it right. There were, uh, there was The coverage of the diamond had a lot to be not desired. You know, actors,
0: actors speaking yeah. poems on the bridges. Yeah. It was
3: overproduced. You
0: know, it was overproduced. <laughs> but today was back to the sort of good old way of doing things, wasn't
3: uh, absolutely. it? Absolutely. Well, perhaps the BBC, for which I slaved for 20, 20 years and three months, perhaps they've learned their lesson. Perhaps they're actually concentrating on uh, what is good, and, and my, my wife was watching uh, the BBC and she said the coverage was very, very good. One, one thing that was quite interesting, and I've asked around, no shots, it seems, of uh, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. No, they've been they, t- cancelled, really, haven't they? Well, it's interesting. I'm wondering whether the word went out from the palace. <clears throat> We'd rather you didn't uh, yes. focus on them. They've said they want it to be... To be low key, but I would have thought if their son Archie was there, who's three, mm. he would have loved it. I mean, small boys absolutely well, we love a military thing. thing. Sort of enjoyed it. Yeah. but it, you know, it, I walked from uh, from Buckingham Palace. I walked to the city, and I walked back. And the people—you can't fake that. It was real. You know, in communist countries, they bust the people in and they make them wave things, you know, North Korea style. The people were out there. They were full of joy. They were full of happiness. They were actually loving every minute. And I don't know about you, but... People measure their own lives by royal events. You know, yes, we had that daughter about the time that William married Kate and so on and so forth. And that's how we do it in this country. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel and I've felt for quite some time that there's something about a constitutional monarchy um, that appeals particularly to, to the British... Michael, uh, do you feel emotional about today? I, fe- I did. I felt very emotional about it. I really did. I was on television. I, was, I almost felt a th- frog in my throat. And it's very important. I mean, the the jubilee... We, we just had Arlene Foster on, and congratulations to her. But the jubilee, the silver jubilee of 77... Uh, The Queen made the most personal and political speech of her life. Mm, In Westminster Hall, she had the MPs there and the Lords. And she said, and at that time, the violence in Northern Ireland was so bad that there were some stupid people saying it should be hived off as a separate state and let the loyalists and the Republicans fight it out. Well, she stood up and she said, I cannot uh, tell you, I cannot emphasise enough that I was crowned the queen of the united kingdom of great britain and northern ireland and if you consider what has happened it's yeah. been a huge benefit the union to all the people in all parts of of the united kingdom well that went away and, and we had the Gr- good friday uh, agreement you know there's only one time when i've i mean it's not for me to feel proud of the queen but why not Well, when she went to Ireland and the state visit of 2011, she's the granddaughter of George V, who signed the instrument that created the Irish Free State. And she went to Croke Park, which was the scene of the original Bloody Sunday, where British troops uh, shot down uh, football supporters, Gaelic football supporters. And she went to the Martyrs' Park and she bowed her head. Mary Robinson who was the president of Ireland another accomplished Irish woman she was in tears the other night thinking of that mm. and even Martin McGuinness who was the front man for Sinn Fein uh, uh, and the IRA even he was charmed <sighs> by the queen it has been and i think remarkable what, what 70, she can yes. do by soft power by the strength of her personality And by her sheer goodness, I think that has a fantastic impact on people. I do.
0: Michael Cole, thank you very much indeed for those very, very personal and very heartfelt thoughts. Thank you. You see, I said earlier that this Jubilee has really got people emotionally. I can tell it's got Michael Cole emotionally and there's nothing to be ashamed of that. It's been a very big day. She's an extraordinary woman. Let's have a look at some shots of people around the rest of the United Kingdom. Thank you. Sheffield will begin with. And here they are in Sheffield, having a good time in Sheffield, dressed up, pageantry. We're going to go to Warwick in a moment and see what was going on there today. Everyone dressed up in hats, the weather, good. Blackpool, of course, you all recognise the Blackpool Tower. Cardiff in Wales, and there we have full, full uh, regalia, the army. Edinburgh, of course, gun salutes, there were those going on here as well. And Northern Ireland, of course, not to be forgotten. And let's just stick for a moment with that Northern Ireland theme. Let's go to Doogie Beattie, who, of course, is GB News's Northern Ireland reporter. But this is not a Northern Ireland story. It's a UK-wide story. Actually, no, it isn't. This is a Commonwealth-wide story. It is about the lighting of beacons. Doogie, tell us what's happening there and around the rest of the world.
4: Well, at about 945 The beacons right around the world will be lit uh, in celebration of Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee. Like yourself, I am old enough to remember the 1977 Jubilee. I remember the red helicopters coming into Thethel Barracks and Her Majesty getting into an open-top Land Rover, which was some feat in Northern Ireland in 1977. It shows you the mark of the woman and, 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 and what... Northern Ireland mentor. Marching bands are just coming up past me now, um, to my left. I'm in Killilay, outside Killilay Castle. This is the only residence in Ireland that has the uh, Royal Coat of Arms over it. It is uh, connected to the Bulls' Lions, and it's, of course, where the Queen's uh, official uh, person in Northern Ireland lives. And it is a vastly loyal area in here. And today, I have to say... Most of Northern Ireland, where I have been, as I have been driving down here through the villages, um, it has been such a bank holiday, lovely feeling. And no matter what village we drift through, should have been nationalists, unionists, everybody had that really nice uh, feeling of a holiday and celebration. So As you can see, well, you'll just be about to see very shortly, a flute band going past me here, and they're just bringing in everybody to start the um, procedures, to start with the beacon. So we're going to have a couple of bands here, a pipe band, uh, a choir, and then the beacon will be lit. But a fantastic day for Northern Ireland. We had a week of it, actually. Uh, Last week we had the centenary of Northern Ireland. And now this weekend, the Jubilee. Uh, It'll just be fantastic and very sobering when Monday comes, I think.
0: Well, Doogie, thank you very much. Light that beacon. They're going to be lit at 9.45 all across the country. They've been lit already some in parts of the Commonwealth and the really big one is going to be outside Buckingham Palace. And I know there'll be many, many of you attending these beacon lightings to end what has been just the most extraordinary day. If you haven't done so yet, please tell me, what did today mean to you? Farage at GBNews.uk. In a moment, we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about the position of the Prime Minister before getting back on the Jubilee theme with Ken Wharf for Talking Pints. I've been asking this question to everybody. What does today, what does this Platinum Jubilee mean to you? And here are some people we interviewed in London earlier on today, and their views.
5: Everything we hoped it would be, we're a bit older now, so we were here for the 25th and then the 50th, but this was
1: the best one really. It was beautiful, it's just being British, makes you feel very proud when everybody comes together like this it's just fantastic she's been so remarkable
3: the queen it's a sort of you know once in a lifetime monumental moment and uh, you know sort of felt we had to come
1: I To see it because it's like it's a really you special
0: jubilee they there in the royal parks having a wonderful time having a wonderful time and i had to walk through those crowds and i, and I am quite recognizable um and i have to say at one point uh, just outside the main area, sort of on the public street, there was one woman who used a couple of words against me. And well, I'm pretty used to that. And I'm big enough and ugly enough to take it. But, goodness me, didn't the crowd turn on them? Uh, I think there was a great feeling that today wasn't a day to air political disagreements of any kind at all. It was a day for us to come together. Some more thoughts from you at home. One viewer says, it means everything. She is an incredible woman who makes us all so proud to be British God save the Queen, and I endorse that absolutely 100%. Marion says, having grown up celebrating these milestones with the Queen, it makes you reflect on what a truly remarkable woman she is. A day to be incredibly proud of Her Majesty the Queen. Ryan says, a day to celebrate the reign of our wonderful Queen. It is a day to remember for the rest of our lives. It is unlikely there will ever be... A platinum jubilee again. Well, if, if, even if there is, then none of us alive today are going to see it. I'm pretty or very few, <laughs> I'm certain of that. Now, last night, I gave my view that you can you know look at what the Daily Mail say, which is if you get rid of Boris Johnson, you'll lose the next election. And I gave my view very strongly... Uh, that if you stick with Boris Johnson, you are now bound to lose the next general election. There is a chunk, over 25% of his 2019 voters, who are disgusted with the behaviour that went on in Downing Street during lockdown. And who knows, there may be still more and worse stories to come out. But also because he's not a Conservative. He's let people down appallingly on immigration, on taxation. And I could go on and read out a list as long your arm. But as you all know at home, one of the main missions of this channel is to make sure we genuinely have fair and balanced debate. And that is what we do. Now, overnight, Priti Patel in the Daily Mail has launched a pretty strong defence of the Prime Minister, You know, making it clear that it would be a terrible mistake to get rid of him now. There is so much still to do. Well, I've got with me tonight Lord Moylan, who is... I think a very strong, strong Brexiteer, of course. Yes. Uh, absolutely, sort of, you're engraved in you. Brexiteer. Yeah, no, no, I mean, we're absolutely on the same ticket yeah. with that, and, and, and you know that, and the audience know that. But I put it to you, Lord Moylan, that Boris Johnson just hasn't kept his promises. And I know there's been the pandemic and difficulties, but for people who believed that a Conservative government would start to put the interests of small business, of enterprise, of growth to the fore. We see somebody who is putting up corporation taxes by 30%, somebody who is putting up national insurance, somebody who, whilst he's good at some things, doesn't seem to have any connection with the business world at all. I'm speaking here on behalf of the millions of people out there running small businesses, acting as sole
6: traders, running little manufacturing firms. Boris Johnson doesn't connect with them. Well, I think... Look, Nigel, you made your views very clear last night. and I listened very carefully to what you said, and basically you've got no idea what to do either, because all you had to say was the Conservative Party should take a gamble, and that means the country should take a gamble, uh, and a a gamble that's going to take a long time to sort out, because it takes several months to do it, at a time when we're all facing difficulties, both economic difficulties at home and war abroad. So I just don't think there's a solution that involves saying, take a gamble. I with, think we've got to be more serious with about respect, that now. With,
0: you... with, with, with respect, in terms of policy, I have been saying very clearly we have got to stop exporting manufacturing jobs and importing energy, all in the name of pursuing a net zero policy that very, very few Conservatives voted for. So I, I am trying and looking for positive economic solutions. So, so I'm not just here as a knocker, I want to find a way forward. When it comes to taking a gamble, yes, I accept that the process of finding a new, a new leader takes months. But do you really think, given how damaged Boris Johnson is, damaged goods to much of that 2019 Conservative vote, do you honestly, hand on heart, believe he can win them back.
6: Well, look, if you want to talk about who can win the next election, we can talk about what's best for the country as well. But just, just looking it from a narrow conservative point of view, any Conservata- conservative MP out there who thinks that anybody can win the next election after they've been exposed to three or four months of internecine war in the Conservative Party at a time when we're in government, not opposition, and meant to be handling the economy and all the other difficulties... If you think that's a way to persuade the British, the British people in 18 months, two years' time, whenever it is, that they should vote Conservative, you need your head examined. So that's absolutely, from a Conservative Party point of view, not the right thing to do. From a national point of view, you, you are disappointed in some of Boris's policies. Other people are disappointed in them in other directions. And I can understand, I can understand that. And there are things I think Boris has to get to grips with. So he, he knows. I'm sure he knows. That if he hasn't got a proper solution to the cost of living crisis now, that is number one priority, and that has to be sorted out. But there have been other number one priorities. There was a pandemic to deal with for a time, that. and there's a, there's been a war which he's been really, really good at, and he succeeded in leading a whole chunk of Europe into uh, a stance on on the Ukraine position. Uh, which is distinctive and which is morally right, and which we all instinctively feel and it's Brexit, behind. It's Brexit it Britain Brexit, showing Britain, its face on the world stage. Its face. I, absolutely. I, I, so he's, he's I absolutely doing all of that. And when that, you but... come to some of the economic policies and the energy policies, I have some sympathy with what you say. But the, the place to argue that out is in the political forum. Whereas what's happening here, as you know, is that the, people are not attacking Boris for his policies. They're attacking, Bo- let they're attacking me, Boris. Let me return to the problem. They're attacking Boris the about is. his character in just yeah, the way yeah, well, they, they went. Well, that, that's the point. In just well, the way the they went for Trump. But this is about
0: trust. This is about trust, and I'm I'm putting it to you that just over twenty five percent of the twenty nineteen voters are saying he's a liar, are saying they will not vote for him again, are saying, I and mean, you know. You may not like this, but it's true, are saying he should resign immediately as Prime Minister. And my question to you, i repeat the
6: question, if he stays as Prime Minister, can he win trust back from Yeah, I people? think he can. I How? think he can. I think he can, and he can do it by showing that he's got the right economic policies. Now, so far, the government, in my view, has not got the right economic policies. OK, so They're he's got taken, to change. They, they, there's got to be a better grip on economic analysis and policy, a bit more Thatcherism. There's got to be, I'm afraid, higher interest rates to deal with inflation, mm. but there's got to be lower taxation to help the, the economy and especially those who are vulnerable, and there has to be deregulation to allow enterprise to take <clears> off. <throat> and some of these prospective tax increases, like the increase in corporation tax, need mm. to be rethought. And, and I think Boris can get to all of those places because his focus up until now has been on other things, but he knows over the last couple of months this inflation crisis, which is to some extent a product of loose monetary policy up until now, and to some extent a consequence of the war It's funny, you and I agree Ukraine, on so much of this. Uh, that <laughs> that this is his top priority. And I think he can sort this All out, right, well, and I think he can win Lord people Moylan, back. Lord Moylan, you, you know,
0: in a way, you make some of my arguments for me. You know, he's got to make some big changes. Finally, if I
6: may, what did today mean to you, the Jubilee? Well, just what I think, Nigel, is you, you can't watch what's been happening today and over the weekend without... I mean, this may sound a bit bombastic, but you can't watch that without coming away with a feeling that amidst all the chaos there is in the rest of the world, there's something enduring about this country and something stable and enduring, and we can take anything on the chin. And the monarchy, the Queen in particular, but not only the Queen, the institution of the monarchy, is somehow at the heart of that stability. And it really is... She's just, it's just immensely valuable. I mean, nobody can express how the, the, the confidence and, and joy we have in the Queen as a per- What a success she's been. But she's also made the monarchy an institution which Absolutely. we can be proud of. Absolutely. And so for many years to come, and you can see it on the balcony, you can see the years to come on the balcony, I think we're going to be fine in this country. Well, oh Boyden. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. A couple of quick thoughts
0: here. What the Farage moment. Prince Andrew has got Covid. He won't be attending any public events during the Jubilee. How really very, very convenient. And a medical report out overnight that suggests that if the over-60s drink more alcohol than is said to be good by the British Medical Association, they will have a better quality of life and be happy within themselves. I, of course, of course, have to advocate to the over-sixties, that they still have to drink within reason. But, hey, isn't it good news? And let me tell you, some of the pubs I passed even went into today, they're certainly having a good time out there. In a moment, on Talking Pints, I'll be joined by Ken Wharf. You all know his photograph. He was there with Prince Diana. He was there with the young princes. We're going to ask him, what did today mean to him? We'll also ask him how he feels Prince Harry has developed as a man. Welcome back. And before we go to talking pints, I've just got to read you a statement that's just been issued in the last few minutes from Buckingham Palace. Thursday, 2nd of June, 2022. The Queen greatly enjoyed today's birthday parade and flypast, but did experience some discomfort. Taking into account the journey and activity required to participate in tomorrow's national service of Thanksgiving at St Paul's Cathedral... Her Majesty, with great reluctance, has concluded that she will not attend. The Queen is looking forward to participating in tonight's beacon-lighting event at Windsor Castle and would like to thank all those who made today such a memorable occasion. And I can back that up with the Press Association statement. The Queen will miss the National Service of Thanksgiving at St Paul's Cathedral in London on Friday, with great reluctance, after experiencing some... Discomfort. So that is the news that is just in. I still don't think it takes away anything, frankly, from the absolute magnificence of today. That's how I feel about it. It's how some of our guests have felt about it. And I I think it's very appropriate, um, even given that little bit of news, that I. Joined by Ken Wharf here, uh, and you all know his picture because there were very few pictures of Lady Di that Ken wasn't in. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> he very joins very very me on talking. Very 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 well. Well, here's to the Queen, the anyway, Queen, and, uh, the Queen. Absolutely and the speedy recovery. Ooh. The over the line, I heard that she'd slipped out of a stirrup on a horse and, and, and sort of bashed her bashed her hip, and that's what we haven't seen much of her over the course of the last few months. Um, There's no suggestion. There's anything worse than that, is there?
5: Well, I don't know. I mean, your information might be better than mine, Nigel. But I I think what we have to look at here, here's a a lady in her, what, 97th year, and still, you know, they're performing uh, and representing us all, really, in the royal family. I mean, that's quite extraordinary. I'm not surprised, actually, that uh, she's decided to pull out of tomorrow. But, but, you know, she would clearly want to be part of, you know, these celebrations and decided, look, let's take a break from this. Um, because all of your guests have, have all sort of said uh, how extraordinary you know this woman is, and for, for all the, the years that I spent working uh, for the royal family, the and, I, and I was very the firm, yeah, yeah. The, and I was very privileged to be part of that, and I had some great times, some you know, some good times, some bad times, but you know, w- without question, you know, the one person that sort of always came out, you know, you know, always on top was, was Her Majesty the Queen, and. You mentioned earlier working with with Diana. You know, Diana had a real sense of duty, um, despite what a lot of people said about her. And she was loyal in every extent of the word to perform and work for the top lady, you know, Her Majesty the Queen. And that she did, because she held her in such high regard and respect. It's only sad, actually, that Her Majesty uh, at the end was only able to sort of praise Diana at the time of her death, which was, you know, rather unfortunate. A very but, difficult period. But it was an incredibly difficult period for her. But, but nevertheless, you know, through those, those the, the, her anisorubilis and so forth, those very difficult years of her yeah. life, um, here we are now and the loss of her, 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 her confidante, her, her consort, her husband
0: last year. And if we believe the crown, and I mean, how good is the crown in your view?
5: Well, I mean, I like The Crown, like many other people. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I'm sure well, Peter Morgan will say, well, look, this is a piece of theatre, which it
0: was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, well, the, but, there was a lot of fact but in that. one of the things in that that fascinated me, and you can perhaps tell me whether it's right or not... Uh, maybe. Is that, well, I don't know. I, but I mean, you were there. <laughs> is that, actually, Prince Philip was very good with Diana. Is that right?
5: Well, interesting. That's a very good point, because I, I remember at the time, towards the end of Diana's problems, the one person that she said that was really helpful... Um, was, was actually Prince Philip, and, and she said that, A, he, he, she had you know, typewriter written letters from him, um, saying, look, if, if I can help in any way, you know, you know, come and see me, whatever. He was very sympathetic and understanding of the problems. Which is not the image gave. many have of him. Well, it? I don't think, but I think, you know, that's the problem. I mean, I, I think, you know, people the, the media are, are very prone <clears throat> to putting out images that will actually sell their product. Um, you know, the, the Duke was an, an incredible character, of course he was, but you know, he was, in in the sense with Diana, very understanding of the difficulties that she was going through at that time with with, with his son. But, you know, I you know I have some great memories of of of, <laughs> of working with the
0: royal family Nigel, and uh, you know it was indeed a, a great privilege working with them. You were absolutely at the heart of it, and I, I sort of semi joked at the beginning that you were in every blimped photograph that was, but you were what? there, and and you had a very important role to play with Diana, and then it seemed to me that she leaves public life and then you're gone. Well, I mean, in that sense, I
5: mean, what, that, what actually happened, that um, Diana in 1993, um, which was following, you know, the separation announcement yeah. by John yeah. Major in 92, you know, there was, the, it was over, you know, that was the end. And, and that was the beginning of the end. And we all knew that at some point she was going to jump ship. Uh, and I knew that as well. And I had, you know, no alternative really, but, and I didn't anticipate that Diana would, in the, the, the December of ninety three, decide to, to abandon her entire security, which was a huge mistake. Was, it her, was that her decision? Well, it was her decision, but, it, but when I left in, in September, October, and, um, because I felt that, that my position was being compromised, and then almost immediately she invited me back to see her at Kensington Palace, which I went back, and it was, it was like revisiting that time that I met her eight years previously in Sandringham. And the fun, because the great thing about Diana was she was an incredibly fun person. So you, so you liked her? Oh, I, she was an... Yeah, of course I did. I mean... Um, oh, no, you had a job to do. Well, I had you? a job to, but, I mean, you know, there, there was a chemistry there between she and I. But she was, she was entertaining, she was fun, but she was loyal to her cause. I mean, you know, she, she did things for the benefit of the family. That's not to say that the family actually liked what she was doing. The problem was, was that, that, that Diana was so popular... That the royal family had a real problem of addressing that popularity, and, and instead of actually sort of bringing her in and say, "Look,
0: hey, you know, welcome to the firm. You know, we could I do know. with you." I but mean, they didn't do it. I mean, I mean, the captain of a cricket team, if he has a star international batsman or bowler, we should welcome. This, yeah, but, but they s- they didn't do that. It was only was Charles jealous of it? I think he
5: was. I, I think he was jealous of her popularity, and and you know there was, you know, I don't want to be criticised, the prince, because I wouldn't, because I was. You know, very, you know, I admired his, his uh, generosity to all of his staff. I mean, we would you know, go to Highgrove, his house in, uh, in, in, in Gloucestershire and in, in Kensington Palace, and the generosity shown by him and his staff was, was fantastic. But he, but he had a real problem with dealing with Diana's popularity. And I remember coming back from, from Newcastle with Diana one day, and all her days out were fantastic, you know, massive crowds. And we arrived at uh, Kensington Palace, and there was the prince on his own. And uh, he said, he said, have you had a great day? He said, (laughs) and and she said, yes, fantastic. Where are you going? She said, oh, he said, I'm going to do uh, my churches in the city. She said, well, do you like that? You know, and generally sort of trying to engage in a conversation. And she said, "Um, would would you like me to come with you? No. They'll only be interested in you. And this was the problem. It's such a shame in that sense, Nigel, that, 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 that really, because actually Diana's uh, format was really to represent the very best interests of the family and unfortunately they had a problem with dealing with that
0: popularity but she did she did change um you know she the, had that the focus of, she had the, the, the stardust was there and there was question about there. and i mean we obviously finish up with these, those horrendous scenes in that tunnel in paris and is that directly because she had the wrong security around her well,
5: I've, t- I've talked about the, uh, the events in Paris in 1997. And, um, you know, when I first heard that, that Diana was killed in the car crash in Paris, I, I you know, I, I sort of dismissed it. I thought, no, there's just no way that she's going to die in a, in a car crash. But, of course, when, we, when the, the two inquests that went into that inquiry, and this has been talked about over many, many years, 25 years yeah. now, um, you know the conclusions are yes, it was a, a a horrendous accident that could and
0: should have been avoided. I mean, the guy driving the car should well, never yeah, no, have but, been but driving. But I, car. I think, well exactly.
5: But I think the whole point is that that she inherited. Um, through, no mistake of our own, a security package, courtesy of Mr. Malfayad, that just didn't have that level of experience and expertise yeah. that Scotland Yard had. And I think, actually, Nigel, that's perhaps where we better end it. But, yeah. but um, yeah. okay. you know, it was, it was a... No, I mean, terrible end. A great time Ter- for, for me. was so it?
0: tough for those boys. And I never forget the funeral. And I know you were in charge of security for, for, for that event. and And seeing the boys being made to march through the streets of London. I mean, I, I have to say, I thought it was almost inhuman. Well, it was, but, you know, people talk about... It's what uh, they do, I
5: guess. Well, well I, I, I mentioned the word to you earlier. It, it's, it's what royals do. It's a sense of duty. You know, whether a 13-year-old boy should have walked behind... the do so. Probably not, but, you know, that's, that's what being royal is all about. Um, I'm, I'm sure Harry, to this day, will never, ever forget for the rest of his life that, that moment. No. And, um, you know, here is <clears throat> a young man that's, that's been the centre of a great deal of royal controversy over many, many years. And, um, you know, thankfully, um, you know, he's back now in the United Kingdom to, to, to pay respect to his grandmother. Well, let's
0: hope, yes, I mean, let's hope that she gets the chance to see her great-granddaughter mm. and there is a family... Perhaps a private rapprochement mm. of some type, But he's the, let the side down, hasn't he? Well, I think, you know, the, again, it, what,
5: all I would say is this, and I'm not defending anybody, Nigel. You know, I, I'm coming in from having worked with this, this young boy. He was three when I first met him. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was an incredible character. Um, you know, his brother, William, was, was always jealous, jealous of his personality because Harry was always the fun maker, oh, the entertainer. Everyone, they loved him like they well, loved well his they mother. they did, they did. And, and suddenly, you know, he, here he is, he has an sort of amazing career in the army. He's pulled out of the army, not of his own choice, but by circumstances, which everybody now understands. Yeah. And then he marries Meghan Markle, and things <clears> start <throat> to go, na- go downhill badly. But, you know, I, I, you, know you have to... Try and put yourself in his shoes. He decided his course of action was to represent the best interests of his wife. I know it's controversial, but imagine the Queen, which, remember, she said, look, okay, you do what you want. But listen,
0: you you can't have it both. ways." No, absolutely. And I think that's hung over his head for a long time. Her leadership there was amazing. I don't want to dwell too much on it because this is about her. These next few days are about the Queen uh, and what she means to us. And I just want to ask you finally, Ken, what did today mean to you?
5: Well, the day, I, mean, I, I just sort of reflected on the, 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 the 16 years I had the privilege of working with the Royal Family. And I have to say, Nigel, that um, all the characters that I met, and I probably worked with every single one of them, and it, it was rather striking for me to sort of see the, the Duke of Kent today looking very aged on the balcony. Um, but I worked with him for three years, and yeah. uh, he was an incredible character. And um, I just think that above all that, all these characters that I talk about—the the, the cousins, the, the uh, others—the the, the Queen was the real head of that and made this firm work. I think what we're about to enter is a, a new reign, perhaps in whatever time it is when we have the Prince of Wales or, yeah. or William well, who knows? as the new monarch. We who don't knows? know, but she could be there for years. But well, yeah, let's hope so. Well, let's drink to that.
1: Thank you, Ken, Thank for
5: you
0: for Fantastic. <laughs> We have a little bit of time left for Barrage the Farage. Let's see what we've got, and maybe Ken can help me out if you ask me very tough questions. James asks a question for Ken. Here we go. Even with all the security preparations, people uh, still made it over the barriers. What would have happened if they had approached the royals? And this is a reference, isn't it, to an intrusion into the palace that took place uh, about 48 hours ago. I, I mean, really what James is asking... We've had people in the Queen's bedroom over the years. <laughs> Are they well enough protected? Well, you know, it's... It, I, don't, sque- squeeze you on it.
5: I don't know how many times that I've answered questions about security at Buckingham Palace. It, the key here is that the Queen will not have a watchtower every 20 no. metres around the wall, no. you know, because if, if that ever happened, that would be the day that had it had happened. Of course, you'd have said, look, I'm out of here. Um, you know, the police... I think, are capable and have done so uh, and dealt with it. Um, you know, Fagan was a, a, a distinct yeah. Yeah. Uh, example of what went wrong. That could have had yeah. horrendous consequences. Yes. But, you know, as, you know, the Queen wants to be represented by... You can't by wrap having... them in Well, you can't. No, no they, And, and they wouldn't like it. But, I know, I But, you I know, know, the no, whole point is, to this day,
0: Nigel, you know, <coughs> thankfully, nothing seriously has gone wrong. No, I agree. Last question. One viewer asks me, what was your favourite moment of today? Standing up at Horse Car's Parade, for the national anthem. And just thinking to myself, this woman has been there for the whole of my life. She's been the continuity that's been there. And I thought back to the Silver Jubilee in my village in Kent and I can remember it as if it was yesterday. And I have to say, quite something for the fair hours to say it, but I felt quite emotional too. I really did. I'll probably never say that again live on television, but I did. It was a very special moment. Now, Farage at large, we take the show out round the country. We have live shows. We are going to one of the most patriotic cities in the country next Thursday. We will be in Portsmouth, in Pompey, 40 years on from that task force, of course, going off to the Falkland Islands. And if you want to come along, we've got a few tickets left for the audience. Please go to the GB News website. I am done. today. It's been a fantastic, extraordinary day. It really, really has. But I'm going to leave you in the very, very capable hands of Mark Stein.
6: Thank you, Nigel. And uh, I'm with you. I felt emotional today. And uh, just on that last point about the security, the Queen feels that the risk is part of the job and she accepts it. And she always has ever since uh, She slipped out into the streets of London on VE Day all those years ago. Uh, on tonight's Jubilee edition of the Mark S9 Show, we'll endeavour to keep the jubilations going. David Starkey is here with the Grand Sweeper History. L. Ian MacDonald is here on what it's like to write speeches for the Queen. And Mike Bat on what it's like to sing songs to the Queen. And Leilani Dowding, who is full of regal grace herself, is also here. All coming up after the
7: weather. UK will be wet for parts of northern England and Wales, plus Northern Ireland, drier elsewhere. Here's the details. Zooming into the southwest of England, and it will be a dry and bright start to the day here, with plenty of early sunshine on offer, especially towards the west. A little early mist and fog is possible in the southeast, quickly clearing, otherwise, it's a dry and bright morning with sunny spells. Dry and bright across South Wales, too, with sunny spells. The odd mist and fog patch is also likely here, especially in the valleys. There's a significant change in the weather as we head north to northwest England. It will be a cloudy start here, with outbreaks of rain for many, turning heavy at times. We can expect further cloud and outbreaks of rain as we head east across the Pennines. The rain heaviest and most persistent over the hills, while it will remain driest in the east. It'll be a mostly cloudy start to the day for southern Scotland, with some brighter spells possible in the east. Some showery rain is also likely across western areas. Northern Ireland will also have a cloudy start with some showery rain at times. It'll tend to turn drier and brighter here, though, through the morning with some sunny spells. The rain in the northwest will gradually ease and become more showery, staying mostly dry elsewhere with sunny spells developing. And that's how the weather is shaping up during tomorrow morning.